Today on the show, we sit down with lost Pokemon expert Dr. Lava to discuss how a Pokemon's connection to the world can alter its appearance and abilities. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Lawrence. I'm not a morning person, but I'm Bruce, also. (laughs) And we're joined today by a very special guest. From all the way from halfway across the world. And our resident expert on lost Pokemon, Dr. Lava. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Glad to have you here. Super glad. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, uh, first of all, I should mention, yeah, I live here in China, so, uh, hopefully there won't be any internet disruptions, but, um, uh, I guess you could call me like, um, either a journalist or a Pokemon historian, one or the other, maybe a little bit of both. I, uh, a big part of what I do is I find old Japanese magazines or books and have them or segments translated from Japanese into English. Um, which, uh, you know, uncover some new information about. I'm particularly interested in the development of Pokemon games, um, how things, you know, uh, Pokemon origins or things that were cut, in particular things that, you know, were planned to be in this game or that Pokemon game, but for one reason or another uh, was cut, why it was cut, whose decision, um, and also just all kinds of stuff to do with development, how things could have gone a different way, who's who made what decision that took things in a different direction and just kind of that, that sort of thing. Um, in addition to doing my own thing with the translations, I also try to kind of, uh, just report on what everyone else is doing. And I have to say, I am absolutely star, star struck to be, uh, speaking with you. I've, uh, I've been following your Twitter account, uh, for a better half of last year, uh, since my girlfriend introduced me to your Twitter account, were you talking about the, uh, lost proto Pokemon? It was, I've been just following ever since love all the updates that you give. Oh, thanks. Um, I mean, a lot of the, 99% of the lost Pokemon or other people's discoveries. I, a lot of the time just tried to, sometimes I'll commission new artwork or something like that. And sometimes I don't really do anything. I just kind of report on stuff that happened years ago. Um, so I appreciate you saying that, but a lot, in many cases I'm sort of standing on the shoulders of giants, I think is the expression. So I can't, I can't take credit for, for, you know, the work of lots of other people who came before me and are, are working right now while I'm slacking off talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still great to have you. Yeah, definitely. Like, you Good know, just to echo Bruce, I, I actually uh, discovered your Twitter account because I saw Bruce liking uh, some posts on Twitter. So that's how, like, I got in. I didn't realize there was actually this whole world of, of lost Pokemon. So it's it's been a journey and I like it. I think. My uh, just to go off a, a little bit more, my favorite Pokemon that's been posted has probably been the uh, lost of evolution of Raichu. Oh, my God. He looks awesome. He's a good one for sure. I think I like the uh, lost shark Pokemon from Gen 2, Akari. I don't know if you've seen that one with the oh, anchor yeah. chain. Yeah. Yeah. The one with the Yeah. The anchor for a tail. Oh, yeah. I, I like that one. That That is that's definitely my top top five. Oh, yeah. Like it really just boggles my mind of just how much is left on the cutting room floor 
Right. Yeah, the first two generations especially have, I mean, there's stuff all over the place, but particularly in the first two generations, I guess you could say Game Freak was, um, can I swear on this show? <laughs> well, yeah, they, didn't have their, <laughs> they didn't have their stuff together uh, as much as they did later. So um, uh, they ended up, you know, throwing a lot of things at the wall. Some stuff stuck, some didn't. They had to cut it for one reason or another. And so yeah, the first two generations in particular have a real wealth of cut content, a lot of which has been discovered and a lot is uh, undiscovered. And, and there's even still a lot that's uh, still in the hands of, well, depending on who you ask, some people would say that they're uh, hoarders, um, people that have these assets or these sprites things like that um some people hate like i said the proto pokemon community is pretty fractured um so there's there's still stuff in private hands outside of game freak that's not in the public some people call those hoarders they um some other times they call them preservationists other times they're just still doing more research or verifying it's really kind of depending on who you ask but there's still a lot more out there in private hands and as well locked away in Game Freak or the Pokemon Company's vaults. So, um, yeah, it's a really great time to be kind of in the Pokemon prototype community because it's it's really been pretty active. There's been a lot of stuff happening in the last uh, two or three years, so it's been a good time. And I think it, it kind of fits into the kind of the topic of today's episode. Um, you know, we wanted to focus on... I don't get necessarily know if we would call these like proto Pokemon, but these are definitely different variants of existing Pokemon that have have popped up in different games. Um, but they're not like a part of the Pokedex. They're pretty much just like variant forms that are outside of what we would normally view as like an actual new Pokemon. I think what we've got on the docket here today, you sent me what you want to talk about, the uh, kind of like shadow Pokemon primals. Um, I guess like side game exclusive Pokemon. And also I had, there's some like a manga exclusive uh, movie exclusive, some other Pokemon who I guess you might, some people might say they're non-canon other people would disagree with that. But yeah, Pokemon who exist, but uh, officially exist and they were in uh, officially released material, but never appeared in a mainline game. I think that's what we're going to chat about today, right? Exactly. Yes. And so, yeah, um, just for people who are listening that might not be familiar, we'll probably we'll just kind of give a, a quick rundown of of what Shadow and uh, Primal Pokemon are. So I did a little bit of research on Shadow Pokemon, so I'll uh, I'll start with that. And I um, did Primal Pokemon. Yeah. So what we've what I've found from from my research and some of the games that I played is their Shadow Pokemon are created when. Uh, Pokemon go through a process where their like emotions are sealed off, um, and it comes in a, it comes in a, a few different stages. So you have like just your typical Shadow Pokemon. They go through an undisclosed process that was created by Cipher, and there's just like this kind of dark aura around them. And then you have your next stage, which was what we saw in. Uh, I think it was Pokemon XD with Shadow Lugia, where they kind of perfected that process and it created, it was still Lugia, but the form of the Pokemon actually changed from what we saw in, in uh, like from, from the standard Lugia. With a white and blue. Yeah. 
it turned like pure black and has red eyes and it still maintains the aura. And it was like, you could normally go through a process of purifying Pokemon and they'll go back to normal. This was made. So um, it was supposed to not be able to be purified, but they were able to do it anyways in the game. And like, then there's the third we find actually recently, there's a third way that um, a Pokemon can become a shadow Pokemon. Um, which this is probably to most people won't seem canon because it comes from the, uh, Pokin tournament game. So we see that there's shadow Mewtwo in the game. And by playing the game, we find out that, uh, Mewtwo became shadow Mewtwo by, uh, interacting with the, uh, shadow, was it inner, like sync energy stone or something, um, while protecting uh, someone else from the effects of the stone. So it seems like there's a man a man-made way to become a shadow Pokemon, and then there's an actual natural way for a Pokemon to become shadow Pokemon. So I'm not really familiar with um, just this game, never really played it, but can you tell me, is there a huge difference between the artificial shadowing of a Pokemon and the natural way? Um. I see the the problem is the the artificial way it's like undisclosed it's just a method that Cypher had for for kind of closing off the emotions of Pokemon I think the effects are still the same like the Pokemon uh they kind of like lose that the friendly aspect and they're they're more powerful and more like feral um they could be related they just haven't made that connection since Pokemon is more of like a uh like Tekken inspired game. And even though Shadow Mewtwo appeared in that game, there has been like a lot of uh there are a lot of people that just don't view it as being like a real canon Pokemon. I for one though disagree. Of course. Uh Dr. Lava, did you have anything to add? No, actually, uh this is <laughs> when you sent me the script, we talked about this before we started recording. Uh, you know, I mostly hunt down uh, rare information, so there are many instances where there's commonly known information that I have no idea about. So probably a lot of the listeners are like, oh, "I know how a shadow Pokemon is is created," but uh, honestly, <laughs> that's something I I didn't play uh, uh, Coliseum or uh, Gale of Darkness. I've you know read interviews, I've even talked to some of the developers, but I never actually played the game. I'm kind of exposing myself as a little bit of a pokey poser here. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> no, no, no. The the next group of Pokemon that we uh, want to cover is uh, we'll cover Primal Pokemon. And Breeze, you did some research on that. Yeah, so I did a lot of research on this, found some things within myself and on uh, the Internet. Uh, this one's a lot more disjointed than Shadow Pokemon because, you know, Shadow Pokemon have their distinct features and everything. From what I found, there's some differences, but they all kind of have the same characteristics as primal Pokemon. Uh, what we know the most about it uh, is through Pokemon Alpha, Sapphire, and Omega Ruby uh, with uh, primal Groudon and Kyogre, where you know these are just remakes of Ruby and Sapphire, but in this one, you have these legendary Pokemon Kyogre and Groudon who go through a process called Primal Reversion, 
which is said to restore a Pokemon's true powers as it absorbs the energy of nature to greatly increase its power. So it's sort of like shadow transformation, except this one kind of, I wouldn't want to say this exactly, but de-evolves them. They lose a lot of their cognitive abilities and just revert to this screaming, rampaging mass of just anger and destruction. They become much, much more powerful, but they lose their logic and reasoning um, and just any sort of peacefulness. So just based off of the information you've given, it's more of like a, did you say it's like more naturally occurring? Because like yes. I think that there's there's a little bit of, there's some, some there's some similarity between the two. Um, it just seems like kind of primal Pokemon are more, more powerful. Like, I don't think that shadow Pokemon are reverting back to their true strength. I think they're just kind of like, kind of losing that, like kind of, uh, maybe friendlier connection that they have to like people and other Pokemon that where they, they may actually be holding back in battle or primal seems like it's more of, uh, like a naturally occurring effect and a Pokemon's just gonna just probably rampage out. Yeah, it doesn't matter like who was its friend, who it is beside, it, it indiscriminately just lashes out. Its only goal right now is self-preservation, making sure that no one touches it. So we see this through, of course, the primal uh, Groudon and Kyogre, but we see this kind of before then as how I would kind of put it as promo uh, sorry, proto primal, um, where we kind of see first through a game that I played, which was Pokemon Mystery Dungeon uh, Explorers of Time, uh, where you're like a little Pokemon yourself and you go on these adventures. The boss at the end of that game was a Pokemon called Primal Dialga, which is the uh, time legendary Pokemon in Pokemon Diamond, where at the Temporal Tower, Time Gears are stolen, which in some way is connected to, of course, the Time Legendary, to transform it into Primal Dialga, where it has this light coming out of the creases of its skin, much like the Primal Groudon and Kyogre do, and it just rampages everywhere. A thing that I did find, though, is that it's not called that in its original Japanese language. In the Japanese language in that game, it's not called Primal Dialga, it's called uh, Dark Dialga. However, the characteristics of a Primal Pokemon still exist within that. It's, it's very strange. I don't know, Dr. Lava, if you have any kind of explanation. Well, yeah, it is a little bit complicated. I don't speak Japanese. Uh, I said something earlier about uh, have these uh, magazines and books translated. Actually, I pay for those, and sometimes people volunteer. But I don't speak Japanese, but I do have things explained to me by Japanese people sometimes. Um, the Primal Dialga, as well as Shadow Mewtwo and Shadow Lugia in Japanese are all called Dark. Uh, so you got Dark Lugia, Dark, Mewtwo, and Dark Dialga, although the um, it's actually written differently for Dark Dialga. So uh, Mewtwo and Lugia are both the same word for dark. There's another word for, it's written differently for Dark Dialga, so they're not actually 
connected, but they are, those are all three called dark, um, and thus primal dialga is not, in Japanese, it has no relation to um, the Omega Ruby Sapphire, uh, um, Alpha Sapphire um, primals. Um, and not in Japanese, it was kind of like a weird, I guess you could say coincidence that years before Oris, uh, they had, the, in the English translation, they had primal dialga, and then later they ended up being in Japanese, these primal legendaries in Gen 6. Um, and then, so when they translated to English, they kept it as primal, but then you had this kind of awkward situation where they accidentally changed the name in English before for Dialga, and uh, it's a bit of a mess, the, the primals, the darks, the shadows. But um, they are, yeah, in Japan, not <clears throat> connected by all three being primals. Um, actually, I didn't, sorry to say, I did not play... Uh, any of the PMD games. I was more of a Ranger fan myself. So now this gives me an excuse to talk about Pokemon Ranger a little bit because it had Ukulele Pichu. Um, did y'all play any of the Ranger what? games? I have not. I wanted to, but I was not exactly sure what even happens in there. It's pretty good. Uh, I could, I could, uh, it's probably not for every Pokemon fan because it's pretty far out there. Um, like you don't really. You do catch Pokemon, but it's with a style. It's by circling them with a stylus, not by battling them. Um, but it, it is really fun. And uh, the the thing that really makes the Ranger games, for me at least, really special is that. Um, so you have all your Pokemon follow you. They're not in Pokeballs, and then you'll get to a situation like <clears throat> there's a fallen log in your way. You'll use like a fire Pokemon to burn up the log, so then you can progress. And then you'll get somewhere where there's like, um, you know, some vines blocking your way. You'll use like a septile or something to to cut the vines so you can progress. So it's, it's you know, it's always fun to be able to use Pokemon to interact with the world around you, to burn stuff down, to cut things down. Um, and, and, and they all follow you as well. So it's really kind of like the Pokemon really feel more like a part of the world. But uh, just a quick uh, detour here. Um, there was, uh, since we're talking about side game exclusives, in Ranger 3, there was, um, your partner Pokemon is a ukulele Pichu, um, which is basically just a Pichu that plays a ukulele, although it's, I think it's sort of meant to be its own variant in a way. It's, I don't think it's supposed to be just a Pichu with ukulele. It's a special ukulele Pichu who plays the ukulele and has special ukulele powers. Um, ukulele powers? Well, it's like he can use his ukulele to help you catch other Pokemon, basically. And there's... Uh, so like a music soothes the savage beast kind of deal. Yeah, he's got like music, musical powers emanating from his from his ukulele. And um, he also appeared in the Pokemon Ranger uh, anime specials as well as in the manga. Um, so he's a... He's, uh, just turned 10 years old about a month ago, which was the hmm. the 10 year anniversary of Ranger Three. I like that. I have to check this yeah. out now. So, so it's funny too because I think like connecting <clears throat> like ukulele Pikachu to Primal uh, Dialga and even some of the Shadow Pokemon that we we've discussed. Like, it seems like there are. Uh, it seems like there are kind of these maybe either special items or like uh, special circumstances that Pokemon go through in the Pokemon world that like, I guess, give them these 
like heightened abilities or new powers because like a standard Pichu isn't going to be able to do anything with a ukulele. But, you know, we have this one here that has the ability to soothe, you know, kind of the savage beasts or like these special abilities that are granted. And then you have Primal Dialga came about because those time gears were stolen. Right. And then you have Shadow Mewtwo who came in contact with the uh, that special stone and, you know, became Shadow Mewtwo. Well, actually, speaking of the Pikachu family, uh, I have one last uh, example, and this one's just through the uh, through the anime Pokemon Advanced Generation series. Uh, first aired, checking my notes here, uh, in 2004 in Japan, 2005 in U.S., where Pikachu Ash's Pikachu accidentally absorbs the blue orb that is usually meant for, I believe, Groudon uh, in the anime, or I believe Kyogre. I get conflicting results when I look this up. Anyway, it undergoes some sort of proto-transformation where it gets the lines from either of those two legendaries, and it's colloquially colloquially known as Primal Pikachu, where it also goes through this rampage and does not care about Ash and pretty much has all the characteristics of Primal Aversion, but again, does not you know, is not recognized as a Pokemon that is canonically going through primal aversion. Yeah, that was the one thing you sent me on the uh, the episode outline earlier today. I was looking at it. I was like, primal Pikachu? Like, yeah. I never heard of that. I Googled it. I, I remember watching that when I was a kid, and I was just like, whoa. Okay, I never heard of it. I was... I was actually, I was looking at images on Google and I was like, are these fan made? Did someone Photoshop the anime? Cause, <laughs> cause I was like, ah, do, do these guys get suckered in by some, some crappy wiki site? Cause, uh, I, I was really <laughs> unsure if that was a real thing or not. If you saw the, if you saw it on TV, then. Oh then, no. Yeah. Like know, I, I'll take I, at first it. I was, I was remembering that like, I thought it was a dream, but I looked it up and there's like a scene of it. Um, the it episode is called gaining Groudon. It's like a two-parter where, like, first Pikachu is transformed. I know, right? Uh, the first episode is where when he's transformed and, like, going through rampaging, electrocuting anything into sight. And the second form is Ash doing his Ash thing where he's just going to hug Pikachu until uh, Pikachu doesn't want to kill him anymore. Exor- you know, absorbing all of the electricity that would normally just fry That kid's made out of rubber. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is crazy. When you told me about that, I was like, I, I do not remember that episode at all. No one would have. You probably watched that Porygon Cyber Soldier episode and had a seizure and imagined that you saw Primal <laughs> Pikachu. <laughs> or the Mandela Maybe, effect, I don't one know. or the other. Because <laughs> I've have, I have never heard of this episode, but the I went back and looked it up after you told me about it. And I was like, yeah, it's crazy. So Sure enough. But I do, I really do enjoy all of these spinoff games where the developers and the directors can be able to kind of flex some more creative muscles in creating some of these alternate forms, even though some of them might be just throwaway Pokemon that will never see the light of day again and will be the fever dream of a 12-year-old for most of their adult life until they go back to a podcast where they talk about it, but... It really you, does. You just, huh. you just lost about 20% of your listeners when you use the phrase throwaway Pokemon. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, to them, they like, I, I feel like, you know, this is a Pokemon that is, I think, 
really interesting, but doesn't seem to show up anywhere. But I really like how unique they are and could only imagine what, you know, this could be like in any main games where they like sew those into them. I feel like it's so interesting, some of these uh, different transformations and alterations that we see uh, in these different games. Like, I would love to catch or even train or just get like a uh, mystery gift event only ukulele Pichu. Yeah, they need to bring that back. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually super, I, I want to see Ukulele Pikachu. I'm probably going to look that up. There's a, a little bit more. There's another Pichu thing we could talk about that wasn't in the outline, actually, if you guys want to go on another detour. Why not? We got time. Right, detour away. There, um, I don't know if you guys play Heart Gold Soul Silver. Yes. That was actually probably, I think it's probably the best games in the series um quite possibly yeah but uh there was a event pokemon called spiky eared pichu um which I, do you guys remember that was that the one who was either okay there's several i'm thinking of there's one that was like a rival to pikachu or do you mean there the was, one that's a glitch no it's uh it's a real it's a real thing it's not a glitch uh it's oh. got its own unique sprite in uh in hard gold soul silver it's got its own lore um and uh it's got its own voice actor even in the in the anime and um it was kind of it's kind of a big thing although it was a special event pokemon that was hard to get but um it kind of got around in fact it's even a alternate pichu skin in super smash brothers ultimate is spiky or pichu but um it's yeah it's it's not a super well-known um it's not a side game exclusive but it's a heart gold soul silver exclusive because it was um it was an event only pokemon but its lore is that it traveled through time with celebi and that's how you encounter what? it in hard goals yeah it's it's, it's kind of weird it, it can it can only be female and its nature can only be naughty take from that what you will but um <laughs> but it uh you take it um after the after you encounter it you a little bit later you talk to professor elm and he's like oh this this pichu's been traveling through time with celebi but it traveled too long in time and so it's <laughs> I, i'm not going to be able to directly quote him but basically he says something like oh it's it's lost its reproductive abilities and it can't be traded to any other game or pokey transferred so in other words, it's stuck. Yeah, it can't breed. It can't evolve. It can't be traded or pokey transferred. So in other words, it can never leave your copy of Heart Gold Soul Silver once it gets into it. And thus, Spiky or Pichu was a no. Um, can't be yeah obtained in any other Pokemon game. Um, Smash Brothers Ultimate is kind of unique in that it, it also appeared there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of trapped in time. You know, the tri- time traveling Pichu's trapped in time and Gen Four forever. And there's kind of um, I did uh, I worked together with a guy I, w- I want to shout out Degasu's backpack, who's uh, an American living in Japan. He's been covering, I guess you could say, the Japan side of the series for over 20 years at this point. Um, wow. he's a really, really uh, prolific guy. Um, but he, uh, I worked together with him a little while back to work on a project. So there, the, the, there's a woman who's a voice actress in Japan. Um, I don't know, is her name, is her name slipped my mind? Shoku 
Nakagawa, I want to say. I think that's right. And um, she does a voice of Spiky or Pichu and, um, in the anime and in, in the movies. And she said that – so we, me and Degasu got a hold of her biography and translated part of it where she was saying that um, Spiky Ear Pichu was chosen because of typos that she makes on her blog um, where she tries to say things like mega cool or, or super cool or mega this, super that. But she I, often makes a typo that uh, basically if you translate it, is the word spiky. And so she was accidentally always saying spiky on her blog. And she's kind of a, sort of like a spokesperson for Pokemon in a way. And so they ended up making spiky or Pichu based on her typos. And then, um, yeah, she ended up being the voice actress for spiky or Pichu. But she also said, this is kind of the in- interesting part. She said in her biography that they were originally going to make spiky eared Pichu. Instead, it was going to be a white Pichu. Um, and there's even a picture of her at a, um, an exhibition where there was like a no photography zone where they had some, uh, they had some con- Ken Sugimori. I think it was Ken Sugimori. They had some concept art of different kind of Pichus that they had considered, including white Pichu, along with some some other ones that the resolution is too low too too low to really make out what the other ones are in detail. They're wearing some like things like a mummy Pichu, maybe, but it's hard to make out. But um, basically, she said they were originally going to make it white Pichu, and they were even going to make some white stew merchandising because the word for white stew and white Pichu is really similar in Japanese. But she, yeah, she got a photo taken in this no photo zone because she's a celebrity, a Pokemon celebrity, and she posted it on Twitter, which is the only known (laughs) photograph of that white Pichu concept art. And she also, in her book, kind of went on, she sometimes accidentally leaks stuff. Uh, But yeah, uh, originally Spiky Ear Pichu was going to be white Pichu, and there's going to be merchandise with white stew. And um, I think, she didn't say this, but it sounds like she pushed for it to be changed to Spiky ear pichu because she liked the whole thing with the typos and she wanted to be able to say it was made because of my typos and so i think that's probably why they changed it though she doesn't say this explicitly but yeah spiky ear pichu is kind of interesting because of the fact it's trapped in time and it's kind of further made more interesting by the fact it was going to be white pichu and the story with shoku and the no photo zone and all that so i just want to take things on that little detour wow no that's that's actually super interesting. So, I know this is not the main takeaway, but does that mean in the Pokemon universe, canonically, time travel makes you sterile? <laughs> Sounds like it. That's, uh, <laughs> I, th- I think so. Well, Cel- Celebi can't reproduce. Spiky Ear Pichu, Pichus would normally be able to reproduce and it can't. So it sounds like, yeah, I think you're right. Time travel makes you sterile. Yeah, time Travel is not good if you want to have kids. <laughs> if there's one takeaway from this episode, uh, it's, it's that. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Dr. Lava. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.